You're listening to the Christian Union Day and Night Podcast, calling for a movement of Christians to seek God wholeheartedly for national revival and reformation. You may have heard the expression, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. But I want you to think about that in a different way, because I don't think that's really the truth. There are some things to fear. And today, in this series of messages, we're going to address that. We are doing a series of six messages of what I believe are America's greatest sins. This coronavirus has presented us with the opportunity to repent, to examine ourselves as the scriptures teach us to do. And this message is on one of those sins. The first uh, four of this series of six is on a ways in which we need to get right with God. And the second two have to do more with laterally with other people, even though it's all, of course, about being right with God. So this message is on the fear of God and the need to repent of human pride and and the pride of human achievement. And this is really critical. uh, First one, as we look at this, this is a problem in America uh, today. Uh, The benefits of understanding this is that we can repent of this on behalf of ourselves, on behalf of America, and then we can experience the grace and favor of God. When we repent of our sins, the Lord poured forth His Holy Spirit, gives us power and strength to see revival come, to see lives change, to experience Him more personally ourselves as well as our communities. So it's very, very helpful to see and know what does God value and how do we have a course correction in our relationship with Him. We can't simply assume that our relationship with Him is good. We've got to measure our relationship against the scriptures and then make adjustments based on that. So that's what we are all about doing. So first of all, I'm going to mention a few things that we do not need to fear. And then when we look at the fear of God and then why we need to have a fear of God, because there are some things we should not fear and don't need to be fearful of. Uh, People are correct when they say that the number one command in the scriptures is that we should not fear. And that's absolutely true. That's given more time. But it depends on what it's about and how it should apply to us. The first is that we should not be afraid of other people and what they'll do to us if we follow the Lord, if we honor Him, if we please Him. It can be tempting to be fearful of other people as we live a righteous life. But again and again, the scriptures tell us not to worry about it and God will be with us. 2 Timothy 1.7, an oft-quoted verse It's in this context that it's given. It says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. This addresses that issue. Also, there's Hebrews 13, 6. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Uh, There's a good treatise written a long time ago on this subject in the 1600s by a German pietist called Herman Franca, called Nicodemus, A Treatise Against the Fear of Man. You can look it up on the internet. It's fantastic going through how we should not be afraid of other people. We've got to just the exact opposite in the United States. We fear other people, but we don't fear God, and it needs to be the opposite. Something else we should not be fearful of is the supernatural. Over and over again, there are supernatural situations in the scriptures, and the first thing that comes out of the mouth of the Lord or the angel is do not be afraid. So, uh, for instance, Matthew 14, 26 uh, um, and 27. But when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, 
do not be afraid. This same is played out when Zechariah is in the temple and he sees an angel telling him about the birth of a son. You see the same thing happen when deliverances happen, miracles happen at the transfiguration. Again and again, when something supernatural happens, we're tempted to be afraid, but we're told not to be afraid. Thirdly, we're not supposed to be afraid of negative circumstances. So, for instance, in Matthew 6, 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. It can be tempting to be anxious and fearful about not having enough, and having these things. But God is with us. He loves us. He cares about the sparrow. He cares about us. We'll do just fine. And if we're a Christian walking closely with the Lord, we also shouldn't be afraid of death. Hebrews 2.15 says, And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. If you don't know the Lord, you are subject to lifelong slavery through the fear of death. Even when people who say they're not afraid, of course they are. What's coming after death? Uh, only a terrifying expectation of judgment. So if we're walking closely in fellowship with our Maker, we don't need to be afraid of death. And the last thing that I'm going to mention here that we should not be afraid of is Satan himself. Now this is kind of half and half. He's very powerful and he can do things. In some sense we should be afraid. Another sense we shouldn't. His power is always limited by the Lord. You see this in the book of Job and the Lord allows him to do certain things. And uh, you see uh, with the Apostle Paul, a messenger of Satan is sent against him, but it's all within what the Lord himself allows. So he's nothing in his power compared to uh, the Almighty God but within a certain sphere, God allows him to do it. But God won't give him too much power. He doesn't want uh, Satan to get glory. So it's limited what Satan can do. So we should have some fear of him in certain circumstances, but nothing like the fear of God. So things that we should fear. There are a few things we should fear. The biggest, what I want to focus on, is the fear of God. Numerous times in the scriptures, it says how important this is. It says in Proverbs 1:7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Also, Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There are multiple other passages in the Psalms, in Job, and elsewhere. And not just in the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. Some think that we should not have fear of God now that we're Christians. Not true. It says in 1 Timothy 5.20, for as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. That is fear of stepping outside the will of the Lord, fear of walking in unrighteousness. The healthy Christian has a fear of God. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Holiness is connected to having a good fear of God. Christians should be fearful in two ways. The Christian who's walking outside of God's purposes, that is walking in sin, should be very afraid of some judgment or response of God coming against them. But even the Christian who's walking in fellowship with the Lord, we should be fearful of what could happen if we step outside of that. This is what the Bible teaches about what it means to walk in God and to walk in, uh, walk in holiness of Him. So why should we fear God? Why should we fear Him? Two things I want to mention. It says here in Ezekiel 8, 22 and 23. It says, When pestilence and blood, uh, bloodshed, I will enter judgment 
with him. With him. Now, of course, we're going through a pestilence right now. It says, And I will rain upon him and his hordes and the many peoples who are with him torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. So I will show, here we go, my greatness, and then number one, and two, my holiness, and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So God sends judgments. He sends problems and difficulties, and we should fear him for his greatness and for his holiness. So first of all, his greatness. We fear him because of his greatness. He is all-powerful. He is the one who can not only kill a person, as a human can do, but he can cast our souls into hell forever. We have every good standing. Uh, it's smart to be fearful of him and his terrible power. You look at even the ten plagues of Egypt. If you remember the story, at first the magicians of Egypt were able to imitate what Aaron and, um, and Moses were able to do. But after a few of them, they weren't able to do it anymore because God's not going to allow Satan to have that kind of power. He allows Satan to have some power, but not that much. He is far more powerful. So his greatness is extraordinary, and his power is absolutely unbelievable and extraordinary. He has created all things. So that's the first reason to fear him. Second reason to fear him is that he is holy and righteous, and he expects obedience. Now, he's merciful when we repent of our sins. He forgives it. But if we don't repent of his sins, watch out. Why should we think that we will not spare judgment? Ananias and Sapphira were struck down dead, and this is in the New Covenant, and it can happen to us as well. The Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11, they had judgment come upon them. Some of them even died. Same thing can happen to us. So if we walk outside, if we're not walking in holiness and devotion, he can and sometimes judges. He passes over it a lot of times and doesn't give us what we deserve a lot of times. That's just out of his grace, but we should be afraid. Herod in Acts chapter 12 was struck down. Here he was a non-Christian, but because he didn't give God glory, he was struck down. It says this in Acts 12, 20 through 24. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down, an angel of the Lord, not the devil, because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Here he owes glory to God. Anytime we do something as humanity, anytime... Even when we get praise, we owe glory to the everlasting God. Even when the Apostle Paul was commended, he turned and gave glory to God. That's what we are to do. And but just because the Lord is merciful and passes over the times in which we don't do that, doesn't mean that he's happy with it and we shouldn't repent of that. This is the problem with the United States of America today. We're like those way back in Genesis 11. They built the Tower of Babel. They just want to show what they could do apart from God. And God judged them. Here in the United States, God has given us so much, so much wealth, so much power. Arguably, we're the most powerful nation in the history of the world. And do we give God the glory? Do we honor Him and praise Him constantly? This isn't just government officials, but leaders in the church and business people and whatever else. We all owe Him glory, not just Christians. And you see Herod, he was supposed to give God glory. He didn't. And we saw what happened to him. This is a huge problem in the United States. And so I encourage you, 
to repent. Repent on behalf of yourself and repent on behalf of the United States of America. Repentance on behalf of a larger group is biblical. You see this in Daniel, you see this in Nehemiah, that you repent on behalf more than just yourself. So what it means is, is saying to the Lord, not just asking him that he would move you to repentance, but actually repenting. Something like this, dear Lord, forgive me for not giving you the glory. Forgiving, forgive me, dear Lord, for not attributing to you what belongs to you and taking pride in human achievement, my own achievement apart from you. Forgive me of that. I repent of that. And dear Heavenly Father, I repent on behalf of the United States of America for doing the same, for taking pride in human achievement apart from you. I repent on behalf of my company. I repent on behalf of my family. I repent on behalf of my city. All of these different ways and groups in which we take pride in human achievement apart from the living God. The great news, the blessed news is the Lord loves it, loves it, loves it when we do this. He smiles down on us, extends us grace and mercy and love. It's truly exceptional. All the messages we see in the scriptures about the love of God, they all come flowing through all the blessings, come flowing to us as we repent of in these things. So this is, I believe, an extraordinary sin in the United States and for many of us personally. And I urge you, uh, for the sake of your family, for your sake, for the sake of the nation, that you repent on behalf of yourself and the country. Thank you for listening to this message. May the Lord bless you. We have many blessings, much love to come from our living God as we are in a right relationship with Him. God bless. Subscribe to this podcast, give it a five-star rating and review if it has encouraged you, and visit dayandnight.org for more resources.